Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pure Thoughts is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Pure Thoughts comes direct from legends of the game as they share secrets of their success. Thanks, Darlene. Welcome to a very special edition of Pure Thoughts. I'm Bruce Bernstein. This show is usually devoted to legendary athletes where we hear in their own words what made them tick. But the beauty of doing a podcast is that we can change the game plan when there's a good reason. And this show is devoted to legendary New York fans who've waited a long time for their team to shine. The Knicks are a team that I've never had much use for. As a lifelong Celtics fan, I remember when the Knicks were a championship team in the 1970s. But it's been more than two decades since they made the NBA Finals and 48 seasons since they last won the NBA championship. But hey, all of a sudden, the Knicks are not only relevant, they're a team nobody wants to see in the playoffs. My guests this week are two good friends and former ESPN colleagues who are beside themselves with joy over the success of their beloved Knicks. Michael Jackson, also known as MJ, was an NBA research expert who currently runs a Facebook group of Knicks fans. His passion for the Knicks knows no bounds. Welcome, MJ. Hey, what's the name of your Facebook group? So you can reach me at Knicks Rundown. So you can reach me on Facebook, also Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can all find me at Knicks Rundown. And our partner in crime today, Barry Sachs, is one of the most passionate New York sports fans I have ever known. He was the boss of many sports in his 30-plus years at ESPN. Barry has been following the Knicks for more than 50 years. I know he doesn't look that old. He went to his first Knicks game in 1969, and his favorite Knicks player of all time is the captain, Willis Reed. Barry, welcome. Thanks for joining us. B, awesome to be here. And kind of fitting, I guess, as uh, yesterday, May 8th, the 51st anniversary of our first NBA title which you know, I do remember and kind of really brought the whole thing home. That really kind of probably was the beginning. You know, one of the cool things, you know, as a, as a New York fan, you know, get a lot of grief for the Yankees and the evil empire. But, you know, growing up as a kid, the Knicks were the bomb for me. I'm a little older than MJ, you know, but 69, 70, 73, you know, I'm a young kid, 10 years old, 11 years old. The Yankees were terrible in the late 60s. We're talking Horace Clark, Celerino Sanchez. So I, I went through some awful times with the Yankees. So it's nice, you know, when, when, when they became a really good team. But the Knicks were awesome in my youth. And it's probably been a good 40 years since uh, we've had some, some fun, like we're having a little bit at least this season. Well, at least you got a chance to see a Knicks championship in your lifetime. I'm Dude, still waiting. Dude, I, don't think, I don't know if it'll ever happen. I've been, I've been wondering, come on, what, what are we doing? Is, is this, I mean, you know, 94, John Starks, uh, you know, what we won't Finish get shot. into that. 2000, <laughs> I didn't think it was going to happen either, but hey, I'm still waiting. I'm, I'm hopeful. 
You know, but I'll tell you what, MJ, I, I think if we had the ability to go back and do it again, I, I would appreciate a lot more that 94 and that whole Patrick era. You yeah. know, it was more heartbreak and whatever, you know, the Reggie Miller and, and the finger roll and, yep. and Charles Smith and, and, and the other MJ. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we appreciated how good we were and how, you know, how enjoyable the run it. I never enjoyed those runs. You know, yeah. it was always like, damn, we're getting beat by Jordan and Reggie's hitting 11 points in nine seconds. I'd like to go back and enjoy those runs now because we haven't had them in quite a while. Right. Right. But you, you know what's, you know, because New York fans really are, I mean, they're super, not only knowledgeable, passionate, all good things. I mean, New York fans are pretty much at the top of the pyramid when it comes to, you know, along with, you know, maybe Laker fans, Celtics fans, but New York fans sort of stand alone. And the thing that kind of sucks about this year, that it's a great Knicks year, is that the garden hasn't had a chance to be the garden because you guys know better than anybody when the Knicks are rocking. That place is unbelievable. I mean, you mentioned 94. That was my first NBA finals when I came back to ESPN, kind of overseeing the Sports Center coverage. And those, that was a classic series. I mean, Akeem Olajuwon, Patrick Ewing, you know, Starks, Riles, you know, all these people, those were like golden days. And you came so close. But you know what? Um, you, you, MJ, you remember that, right? You're old enough for that one, right? Oh, 94. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I was I was old enough for that. Actually, uh, I graduated high school in '94, so oh, so you yeah, were. '94 was a big year for New York sports. Uh, you know, Rangers. Uh, you know, had had their run too. So, so well, yeah, that, that was, was a completed run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, How many years was that, Barry? You, MJ, you will probably won't know this one, even though you're a researcher. 1940. That was what 54 years. 1940 was the last time we won the cup prior to that. Yep. 1940 was always the chant, you know. But B, you know, you talk about Nick fans or or New York fans. There really is a difference. Uh, there is nothing. Look, you know, I, I've been through it all. You know, I've seen the Rangers win the Cup and the Yankees, Giants, Super Bowls, you know, and the Knicks. There is still nothing better in New York than a big Knick game at the Garden. And, you know, I, I think about it a lot. And I think one of the differences, you know, there are 10-year-old fans in all of these games. You know, fathers are taking their 10-year-old kids, boys and girls, to all these games. But the difference is at the Knick game, the 10 year old fan is totally knowledgeable of everything that's going down. You know, you go to a Ranger game and you still hear kind of the kids screaming and you know, the, the, ee! you don't hear that at Nick games. You know, the 10 year old fan is totally into it. focused, knows what's going on, yelling at the referee, asking why we're not getting a better shot, you know, down the stretch in the buzzer. But you know, when the lights go down and, and the games, there is nothing better than a big Nick game at Madison Square Garden. And like you said, we, we've missed that a lot this year. We've gotten a little of it here in the last couple of weeks. You know, even with 1,800 or 2,000 fans in the building, there's been a little buzz on some of these games. But yeah, I'm telling you, you know, when, when that chant of defense starts ringing down from the old blue seats, there were some great nights in the garden, man. I, I miss those and some of my greatest memories as a fan are, are in and out of that building for, for Nick and Ranger games for sure. MJ, well, have, you, have you have you and your son been to a few Knicks games in the when the garden was the garden? 
Yeah, yeah. I w- I've gone to a couple of Knicks games. Uh, actually, our, one of our old former colleagues, Alan Houston, uh, gifted me with uh, two courtside seats, which was pretty cool. I was sitting uh, maybe about 12 or so seats down from Spike Lee, uh, which was, which was oh, really Oh, that's good. nice. Yeah. So we were just across on the other side of the, uh, on the Knicks side of the bench, but across the court. And uh, it was great. I mean, you know, being that close, you don't really get a chance when you watch them on TV, you don't really understand how great of an athlete these guys are and how big they are. When you see them moving around on the court, you're like, man, these guys are insanely talented, you know, to be that tall, that fast, that skilled, you know, I, I like to think that I'm a decent basketball player, you know, but uh, nowhere near close to 80. <laughs> now no, it's, you know, it, it's so funny. A lot of times you think about yourself, well, you know, could I get my shot off and, you know, whatever against these guys? It's like, no, it would be shoved down your throat. <laughs> right. right absolutely. Yeah. All right. So listen, MJ, you have always been a very optimistic Knicks fan. The way yes. you carry yourself, you know, you have this joy about your team, and I love that. So even when they weren't really crushing it, you know, which was, you know, we worked together for a number of years, and some of those years were the lean years, but yes. you were always optimistic about where the team was headed. You were always sort of like, well, okay, we did this wrong, but we did this right. So, you know, you were glasses half full sort of a guy. But yeah. how surprised have you been at what you've seen this season? Um, actually I'm not, I'm, I'm surprised my, well, let me go back. So I looked at the season and looked at the talent on the roster and I said, if we're healthy, I think that we can get close to 500. Now we've exceeded that. Now, a lot of people, as I said, would probably be about, I said 34 and 38. I think that was the, the what I gave them. That was uh, optimistic. Cause a lot of people were saying high twenties. Right, right. And, and I thought that they actually did a good job of, of not necessarily getting the big stars, but they got a lot of complimentary pieces. And I figured that, you know, if they play well, especially with Tom Thibodeau as a coach, you know, we all know what he does in his first year. He's a culture, you know, he's big on culture. He, he, he takes the guys, he puts his system in, and he doesn't necessarily allow the the losing mentality to creep in it's like hey we're going to build something good here and I, so that was more of the reason why i thought that they would actually have a higher record than others so uh so i was a little optimistic now i feel that if they can secure the four seed you got to give him coach of the year you got to because i know you know alvin gentry's one of those he's he's you know monty williams what did you say? You're thinking of Monty Williams. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Monty, Monty Williams. Yes, I'm sorry. Uh, Monty Williams. I know you can throw Monty Williams in there. You know, uh, Quinn Snyder, you can put in there too. But nobody, nobody thought this. I mean, you look at the ESPN um, uh, Basketball Power Index. I believe they had the Knicks at 17 wins this year. Seven, Either 17 or 22. Or you, I can go back and check. They far outseeded anybody's oh, expectations. Blowing everybody away. And, you know, they still have a chance to secure a home seat. So, uh, uh, in, at least in the first round. So, if they get up to 40 wins and get that four seed, I, I think you got you to gotta really seriously consider uh, Tom Thibodeau coach of the year. Considering who he's working with. You know, I, I, I know, I know I'm, I'm just going to have a little fun here, but 
uh, since you're a Celtics fan. Uh, Ronaldo Bachman is not walking through that door. <laughs> Jerome James I remember Ronaldo. is not walking through that door. We don't have some of those scrubs that are there from the from the past years. We got actually some decent players who can actually do some things. You know, I'm really impressed with uh, Emmanuel Quickly and what he's been able to do is stretch the defense. I'm not really so sure that he's the point guard of the future, but I think he's a really good scoring guard off the bench, a la uh, like a, a, a Lou Williams. Or something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. Be a, a great for, fit for us moving forward. So I'm optimistic. I, I think that where they are right now is, you know, not where many people thought they would be. And so I'm, I'm, I'm riding the wave. I want to see where where this ends up. So here's here's what. How come nobody has nicknamed Emmanuel quickly Hoop IQ? I think that would be a great nickname for the guy. And he is. He's like Lou Williams 2.0. I mean, that's who he reminds me of. Barry, what do you think? I, I think he's probably not getting that nickname because I'm not sure about the IQ. You know, he <laughs> comes down the floor and throws it up a little quickly sometimes. <laughs> you know, but uh, you know, he's, he, he's been he's been, a, he's been a surprise. He's a good young player. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm 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 happy where we are. If we do get the four seed, which I think is going to be a little difficult because we got a little tough stretch here to finish out the regular season, you know, out on the West Coast a little bit. But, uh, yeah, Tibbs definitely deserves credit. Uh, you know, Quinn Snyder, uh, winning the West is a pretty good accomplishment if that happens, things along that nature. But I don't care about Coach of the Year. Coach has done a really good job. We're, we're playing good basketball. We play defense for the first time in quite a while, uh, which is great. But – we need more, you know, we need more. I'd like to make a run. And I think if, if, if they get in, they can cause some damage, you know, because they do play defense and I would really like to take a shot at the Nets. Let's go, let's play. Let's see where we are, you know, bring on Joel Embiid. Let's see how good they really are, you know? So it'd be fun to play, but we're a lot of role players. You know, yeah. I look at our team and I really got two guys that I think are the core the staples you know, Randall and Barrett. And other than, look, Derek Rose has been unbelievable since yeah. he came over. I don't know that that continues and he's a free agent. I guess we'll try and sign him at our price. And I'd like to have him back at a reasonable rate. But I'm not like Derek Rose doesn't make our big three. You know, I think we need another superstar or two. Then the Quigleys, the Bullocks and, and the Mitchell Robinsons and things like that. Now nah, we're, we're building a team. So I like where we are. It's been fun to watch. We play hard every night. And that's what, you know, that's what's great. You're down 18, they come back, they make a run, they play hard. But we're far, far we're still pretty far away from Lakers, Jazz, Nuggets. We, we, we need some, we still need some quality players and more than just good draft picks. We need a couple of, you know, I've heard Damon Lillard's name out there a little bit. Love to see that. Things like that. We need a Damon Lillard. We need some other pieces. And then let's see where we can go. So so let me ask you this question. So Barrett is really the two guard, right? I mean, he's right. He, he's Or does he play some small forward also? What is his position mostly? We're all over the map. You know, Randall brings the ball up the floor. You know, he's been our point guard okay. on certain nights too. But he, he can shoot it. Uh, he can set it up. But he is he's a staple of the two. He's Okay. You know, all right, because I'm trying to figure out, all right, if the Knicks are going to get a big free agent, 
you know, Randall is, he's sort of an undersized four, but I mean, he's a brute. So, I mean, he's, he does his thing. Barrett's sort of a wing. So what do you, what are you looking for? Do you want Damian Lillard or do you want somebody with maybe a little bit more rim protection slash go up and get alley? I mean, the Mitchell Robinson sort of uh, a guy. I, I want a scorer. You know, yeah, I want right. I want Steph Curry. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, yeah. we well we need a great look. Hey, you know, I mean, like KD, Bradley, Bradley Beal would have been great. You know, he, he decided to go the other way, but yeah. there's no reason that we can't bring in a player of that elk. And I'm hoping of the things we we've done this year, more play. Look, you hear what Zion came in and like he was the first time he ever played in the Garden as a pro a couple of weeks ago. It was like the greatest night of his life. You know, I don't know if you heard the post-game press conference and everything. I think Zion wants to come play. And if Zion wants to come play, let's make it happen, you know. But we get a Zion, we get a Damon Lillard, all right, now we go. So there's no reason we can't get a player of that ilk, but we do need a player of that ilk. Not a so, rim protector, Not we need a great player. Yeah, I, I'm going to say this, though. If you ask Knicks fans, like real diehard Knicks fans, what do they want? Do they want the star player or do they want a player that's going to go out on the court and put it all out there, you know, put their heart and soul in the game? I think you'd rather have that. They, they want the guy that's going to put their heart and soul in the game. That's what they want. They, they I want, want both. They, well, yeah, I, I mean, want both, and I don't know who great. that is, but we need to find both. We need the right. guy who play. We have guys who play hard, and that's awesome, and we do. New York, we want guys who play hard. Yeah, but we need a guy who could put thirty in the hoop, you know, along with Julius, and, and every night or down the stretch to to work a shot that you know a guy's going to hit a decent looking shot when we're down two with four seconds to play, rather than the fall away three that we always seem to take that never goes. Yeah, I mean, you know, th the problem is this year, this summer is not necessarily a great summer for for free agents. You know, free agent mm -hmm. signings they they have the cap space. But what they'll need to do is if they want to get some of these guys, they're going to have to uh, uh, use those first round picks that they got, you know, maybe one of Dallas's picks or something like that. They need to make a, a package, uh, put a package together to get a Damian Lillard uh, from um, from Portland. I mean, you may be able to sign Lonzo. Uh, I don't know if that's the direction that you want to go. To me, Lonzo doesn't necessarily do it for me. There's something about his his energy that doesn't, I don't think it would fit well with this roster, this team. I know he's been doing well. He can actually hit the three now, which is good. He plays good defense. But uh, I don't I don't want to spend $100 million on Lonzo Ball. Are you, are you saying LA guys are too laid back to make it on Broadway? No, uh, but I just don't think Lonzo's the answer. <laughs> yeah, I, I, hear thought Ma I thought Magic would have looked pretty good in New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hear well, he's from Lansing, Michigan, though, but still, point taken. So, looking, one of the reasons I, I was doing my Michael Jackson uh, research work for this show a couple days ago. I don't know if I, you were working that hard. No, <laughs> I, I don't know if I was working that smart either. But still, the, the, the thing I was kind of looking at was, all right, so many teams have been affected this year by the COVID, by injuries, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that the Knicks have had very good fortune with this year is their health for the most part as a team. I know Mitchell Robinson has missed a ton of games, right? But the Knicks have four guys that have played 60 games or more. They played 67 at this point, I think. So they've got four guys who've played 60 or more, one who's played 59 and one who's played 58. So 
they've been, you know, they've had most of their guys. And that's kind of in, you know, it's sort of characteristic because if you look at the top two teams in the West, Utah and Phoenix, both of them have also had incredibly good health this year. Utah has seven guys that have played 60 games. Okay. Phoenix has five, you know, so they they've been, the, the teams that have been healthiest have done well with Tibbs playing guys, big minutes, particularly the big two, right? Those, I mean, Randall must be among the league leaders in minutes played. He might even be leading the league in minutes played last time. I, at one point, I think he was, are we concerned that, okay, in the drive to get where we are in the regular season, is there any concern that, you know, it might, they may start to wear down because they have played so many games or are you like, nah, if you can't get it up for the playoffs, you don't deserve to be there. I mean, what do you guys think? Go ahead, MJ. Well, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, as Tom Thibodeau had, had to build a culture, you know, uh, when you, when you take a step back, he had to build a culture and he had to do it in a way where there was consistency in in playing. So not only playing time, but who is on the court in most games. So uh, I think that if if Randall was hurt, then, you know, we wouldn't be where we are. He's actually, you know, he did well with uh, changing his game during the offseason, uh, being able to be a, more of a willing passer, not spinning every time he got the ball in the lane. You know, Nick fans know what I'm talking about. Uh, but, you know, with that said, I think that the having consistency with the team and the roster has been the, the one of the biggest reasons. Now, now, you know, Derek Rose was out with health and safety protocols. So was Alec Burks recently. You know, those two things, I, I, I think, especially with Burks, was was an eye opener because even though he was out, they still continued to win. So, um, you know, when I look at the team and I look at where they are and, and, and where they're going, I don't think minutes is going to be a big deal because of the conditioning that all of the players came in prior to the season. What I do think what will happen is that he'll trim down the rotation in the playoffs he won't go to he he won't go to uh, uh, Obi Toppin for from for spot minutes as much. He won't go to you know maybe uh, Frank Nealakina as much. You know that rotation will get trimmed, and I, I think that he's going to play his best guys out there. And you know, as you said, I'm an optimistic Knicks fan, so I think that depending on who we play in the first round, I think we'll still get that win. I don't want to see Miami, but give me give me Atlanta. Give me Boston, you know, in terms of that three, because we're 0-3 versus Miami this year. We're 3-0 and versus Atlanta. So I'll take Atlanta all day. We're 1-1 one one versus Boston. We still have one more game versus Boston. Last uh, game of the regular season is Celtics-Knicks. That could be meaningful. It, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know. So, uh, so yeah, in terms of minutes, I think that they're good. Consistency has been a big, uh, big difference for the team. Watch out for the Hawks. You know, since Coach took over, they, they've been playing some really good ball. They have. We beat them, though. Yeah, but that's why I'm a little concerned about that 4-5 if we lose the home court. But, uh, yeah, look, we can't be concerned with minutes right now. This is our team. I I think Tibbs, it was important for the culture to win. So, you know, whether we secure the four or not, you know, we got to play. We got to win. And then we're getting to the playoffs again. Certainly can't worry about minutes then. Let's go as far as we can. Hopefully, you know, as we talk about in the future, now if we can bring in a couple of more quality players, now the minutes can be spread out a little bit more during the course of the regular season and see where it goes. 
But for now, it, it's everything moving forward, win as many games as we can, go as far as we can in the playoffs, and let's just keep a, a winning culture and, and let's go shock the world. I don't think, no reason we can't. Well, Tibbs is all about, you know, worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Let's worry about today, today, you know, and I get that. So he, so he's, you know, it's funny because usually when you take over a younger team, you don't always have that win now mindset. You have the, we're going to build to this step and then we're going to do that. But with Tibbs, Tibbs is kind of like a guy, if you're sitting at a red light, right. And you're in your car and Tibbs is in his car. As soon as that light turns green, He's flooring that, and and he's like, he's like shooting out. In other words, he only seems to really know one mode, and I think that's part of his genius. It's also part of you know what sometimes makes guys tune him out after a while. But for a young team that is in need of culture, you're right. I mean, this guy nobody outworks Tom Thibodeau because all he cares about is basketball. People have said this about him. He's not married. Uh, he has no hobbies. <laughs> so all he does is work. And it's like, the thing about that that's great is because, you know, look, you can see the results. But sometimes people like that um, make other people around them uncomfortable because they want everybody else to work as hard as they do. And sometimes people, they don't live up to those expectations. But listen, I mean, there's... Hey, he's got them playing defense. And yes. that, that, you know, that's a battle. Mm-hmm. But they, they play every possession. And that, some of those last possessions of games where you need to try and get a stop, you know, when everyone, hey, do you foul, do you foul? And he's like, no, let's get the steal, you know. Give, give me a good 10 seconds of the possession and we'll worry about fouling after that. And several times we've tied the ball up or taken it away. So, you know, playing defense and playing hard, Awesome. You know, and, and that's what you want to see. You just want to see your team compete, you know, and, and they compete every night. They really do. They've got, they've got the, the big uh, Kentucky connection going on there. I mean, we obviously Julius Randall, uh, Nerland's Noel, Hoop IQ, Emmanuel quickly. And uh, who's the Kevin fourth Knox. guy? Kevin. Oh yeah. Kevin Knox, the forgotten man who can't even get his warmups off anymore. What a disappointment he turned out to be. Right. So far. Yeah, he's only like what, like twenty-two? I mean, he's still a young guy, right? Yeah. yeah. So, what do you think, MJ? Is there any hope for, or do we need another Kentucky guy? Uh, you know, who's coming out of the draft this year from well, Kentucky? Well, you know what? Now, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but one thing that you, if you read some of the papers, they always talk about, um, like, look for the next disgruntled star that wants out, that the Knicks can then pounce on. Uh, with because they have some drafts, draft assets and some other uh, pieces to go get a player. Now, I'm not saying this is going to happen. But, <laughs> but, but it's a podcast, there. so, you know, <laughs> nobody's, nobody's going to second guess you. Right. Now, now, the rumor that's been out there is keep an eye on De'Aaron Fox from Sacramento. He's a young player. He's a Kentucky guy. Sacramento hasn't been good they may be able to work out a deal because guess what? Knicks have some assets. They also drafted Tyrese Halliburton in the last draft. So they kind of have their point guard of the future. If you're doing that, you know, potentially that could be a possible fit because Kentucky connections, that was, as we just said. <laughs> Mary, that, that was like worldwide West. Who's isn't, wasn't he the guy who's really tight with Calipari? 
Yeah, and he's also on the Knicks uh, payroll too. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. Leon Rose hired him, right? Yep. Yes. All right. So I'm happy for Nerlens Noel, by the way, because I mean he got his chance really because Robinson got hurt, right? I mean, if that hadn't happened, Nerlens Noel, because Nerlens, I always, you know, I always kind of liked him. He was sort of one dimensional, but but you know, he always seemed like a good guy. Grew up in the Boston area, so you know, I'm kind of inclined to like some of my homies from Boston. Um, and he's really done a good job. I mean, in limited minutes, he's been very productive. He's been productive. He blocks shots, but we need better than Nerlens Noel to get where we want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, nobody's comparing him to you know Nikola Jokic or anything like that. I'd be very so. happy if he's twelve on the bench. I don't need him <laughs> being the sixth man. <laughs> well, you know what? Listen, the one thing that I hear, and we talked about the Knicks and how well they played this year. I think one of the, the reasons why they've done so well is that when you look at their positions, or I would say most of the, of, of the starting five, that they don't necessarily have a huge drop off when they go to the bench at that position. So you got Nerlens, you got Mitchell Robinson playing a certain way. Okay, you take him out of the game, you bring in Nerlens Noel, you got the same player who's coming in. You know, same thing with our guard position. You you take R.J. Barrett out of the out of the game, and you got Alec Burks coming in playing very similarly. Or you know, quickly has been playing somewhat of a shooting guard coming off the bench. But uh, you know, same thing with uh, our, our our forward. It could be Burks or coming in playing for uh, R.J. Excuse me, playing for um, uh, uh, Reggie Bullock. So as a small forward. The only big drop off that we have is our star player in in uh, Randall. Uh, when he comes out of the game, <laughs> you got Obi Toppin, who we thought that was going to be a, a you know a, more of a contributor. Uh, he's he's gotten a little bit better as the season's gone on, but you know to start out it, it was really really rough, and they kind of forced uh, his minutes in there to get him get him more reps. But uh, but yeah, I think that's the biggest difference that you see. They don't really have a huge drop off. Uh, and then our backup point guard is better than our starter. You know, Derrick Rose is better than Alfred Payton. So uh, so we are able to not only keep pace with the other team's uh, um, uh, starting fives, but we're also um, able to get ahead when they put in their bench because our bench is usually better. I want to talk about D Rose a little bit because I've been saying that's one of the great under-the-radar moves that any team has made this season. Because Derek has really, you know, since he had that terrible knee injury in Chicago, which really kind of had such a negative impact on his career. Um, I remember talking to Tim Legler right around the time he got hurt, which was out now many years ago now. And Legs was saying that a guy like D Rose, if he doesn't have his explosiveness, he's not D Rose. And at the time he said it, it was absolutely true. And it's really still true. But the thing about D Rose is that, all right, now he's like 32 years old, right? So we're 10 years later from his MVP season, whatever. Guys at that stage of their career, even when they have good health, become more cerebral players at that point. They don't depend as much on their athleticism. They depend more on their knowledge of the game and just everything that they've accumulated in their, in their brain over the years. So to me, Derek Rose is kind of, where he would have, I mean, he had this detour of losing some very productive years and he bounced around, but where he is at age 32 is I think where he would have been at age 32 anyway, which is an incredible player. 
Well, it also helps that he doesn't have to play 30, 35 minutes, you know? Yeah. So he's got a role. He comes in. He can be, he can be explosive for 20, 22 minutes. Uh, look, you know, he knows the coach. He knows the system. He knows what his role is. But he, he, he looks comfortable out there. He's playing hard. He's happy. He's healthy. Uh, you know, th- those are big factors. But, you know, not having to be the guy, not having to do the grind every night of 30 minutes, uh, he's been great. You know, I, I think obviously in a, a free agent year also helps a little bit. He'd like to see another paycheck at the end of this. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, what he gets or what he's looking for or what the situation is. But he's been the third guy for sure. You know, if we have a big three, he, he's in it right now. And uh, if we're going to go anywhere in the next couple of weeks, he, he's, more, he's one of the big guys to get us there for sure. Absolutely. You know, having having him and and Taj Gibson on the team, Taj seems like one of those guys that he has his moments on the floor, but it seems to me that his greatest value is probably in the locker room and at practice because he's been around for so long and was always considered a hardworking, very professional guy. And for a young team, guys like that are just super important. I mean, we, how, how do you guys feel about what he's been able to 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 to, you know, contribute to the team? Well, I mean, you know, we, you talked about Derrick Rose, you know, being a former Tibbs player, uh, being able to put the system in. Taj is the same way. And I think a lot of it uh, revolves around trust, right? They, they, they trust the process. They trust uh, the coaching and, and, and knowing the role, like you, like you mentioned. So Taj comes in. He, he knows that, hey, look, I'm going to give uh, 20 to 25 minutes of solid production, especially with with uh, with Mitchell out. Now, when when Mitchell was playing and Nerlens was playing, okay, Tige didn't really get as many t- minutes, but he does things that the other centers can't do. You know, he's got post moves uh, that that he can he's you know that he can do in in the game. You can actually throw him the ball in the post and he can score. Um, you know, he can he can hit the jump shot as well. Now, Rand uh, uh, Nerlens has somewhat of a jump shot, but it's more of a push shot in in the lane, but. I think that he complements, uh, you know, the team in, 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 in many ways. And, you know, he's a leader. He's a New Yorker. That's the other thing. I mean, he's a, there's a reason why he wears number 67 because of PS 67 that he, where he went to school. So he gets the city. He gets the, the, the attitude that you have to have in order to play at Madison Square Garden. And, I mean, He's one of those, Derrick Rose was a shrewd move, but Taj Gibson was another shrewd move that the team made because he was just sitting there and you know what? They said, okay, we're going to bring him in. They brought him in and they've been playing well ever since. And, you know, the Taj Gibson to me is kind of that overall big thing we've been talking about. You know, I think from the culture point of view, what we're trying to accomplish, he's awesome. But I would much rather be see Taj being the guy playing 12 to 15 minutes than 20 to 25 minutes. Right. You know, so we got other guys who, you know, everyone's healthy and we bring in some some better, better players. And Taj could be that real role player to play 15 minutes. That's what I'm hoping we get to, you know. But if Taj is the guy we got to depend on for 20, yeah. 25 minutes a night, that's not a good situation. Well, that's run. Yeah. Well, yeah, but Taj is like 35 now right i mean he's no kid he's he's not you know he may end up being like a udonis haslam type of guy where they want him on the team because of what he because you know he'll be like the the last guy on the bench but he'll still be there in practice every day and he'll still be you know 
watching over because so many guys have told me and and i'm sure you guys know the stories too of like the guys who became superstars but when they were kids who were the guys that really showed them the way i mean guys like and, you, and you'll remember these guys kevin garnett always gave sam mitchell credit for that you know sam who you hear on sirius xm nba radio former coach player whatever um and and, on, and a lot of these good teams, like I remember the last time the Celtics won the championship, which was, you know, a long time ago now, they had guys like, that? it was um 2008. So that was about 12 years ago. That was about 35 wait, 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 years. Wait, wait, no, Bruce, Bruce, Bruce. Let's yeah, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Can you see my hat okay? That was a long time ago. No, no. 1973 was a long time ago. I wasn't born. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. But, but, but my point was like, they had guys like PJ Brown, who was really sort of at the end of his career at that point and guys like that. So a lot of times when you have young guys, so, and, and we did a podcast a couple of days ago with Kendrick Perkins, right. On our buckets, boards and blocks podcast, which you guys should listen to King McClure and Monica McNutt co-hosts that. Um, and Perk was saying KG did that for him. And Perk went on to 14 years in the league. Um, and, you know, so guys like Taj and, and Udonis Haslam is that guy in Miami. I mean, the reason he's still on the roster and not working in the front office is because they want him in practice. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's, he's still an active player for them. So I think you really can't overstate how important guys like Taj, like D Rose are. You're right. They're culture carriers. They're guys who who have been there and done that. And if the young guys listen to them, they can avoid a lot of mistakes and, 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 you know, maybe get a lot of shortcuts to success. All right. I want to ask you about that other team. Okay. Across the bridge. Right. I mean, you guys are, you know, I, I would call you like, you know, OGs when it comes to Nick fans, but a lot of the Brooklyn fans, you know, Hey, you guys still look at the Brooklyn Nets and you say, oh, no, that's the New Jersey Nets, right? I mean, they're never going to be number one in New York City, will they? I mean, it's always like the Clippers will never be number one in L.A. The Nets will never be number one in New York. Am I correct? Yes, you are correct. So tell me why. And it doesn't matter how many banners the, the new big three in Brooklyn win. This is a New York town. Well, here's here's the mistake that they made now. When they played in the ABA, they were the New York Nets. When they went to New Jersey, obviously New Jersey Nets. Now, when they went to Brooklyn, they should have gone back to the New York Nets name. But they said, no, we're going to be a Brooklyn Nets. We're going to, you know, we, we want to uh, identify ourselves in Brooklyn. Okay, fine. That was a mistake they made. Now, if they didn't make that uh, mistake and they just went with the New York Nets and rep the entire state, not just the city or the, the borough of Brooklyn, I think that they would have had a better chance of being able to, uh, you know, creep into Nick's territory. But there's history there. I mean, you, you, can't, you can't just come into uh, a new situation and say, hey, we're going to take over just because we have new players. No, not going to happen. And there's too much history with Nick fans and heartbreak you know, Barry talked about it earlier with the finger roll and the losses and, you know, having not having a, a, a title since 1973. There's too much history there for for that team to not be a Knickstown team anymore. Or did I say that right? And yeah, something like that. But you know what I'm saying? Barry? It, oh, just, I'm sorry. I thought you were first. <laughs> no, no, just just too much, too much history. It's not going to happen. Barry, your thoughts? It's like we talked about before. I mean, you know. There's nothing better in New York than a big Nick game, period. 
you know, Madison Square Garden. Uh, you know, the, the, Barclay, the Barclay Center is not it. Um, hey, look, they, they got a lot of talent over there and they, they're going to make a run. They, they might win the title. I hope not. I root against them every night. Uh, I, I would like them to go winless. You know, I, I thought KD handled the situation poorly. Look, he wants to go play for them, then go. But be respectful about things and, you know, be humble. And I mean, he kind of down, you know, he kind of disrespected the Knicks in that whole process. And we won't forget that. So uh, I root against them every night, anybody but the Nets. Uh, but no, they will never own the city. It's always been a Nick town. And again, I go back to Zion, you know, the guy was, it was like the greatest night of his life playing as a pro at Madison Square Garden. You, you're just not getting that feeling over at the Barclays Center. And uh, we'll see where it goes. Like I said, let's play. Let's, let, let's see how good they really are. When you look at all of the teams in, in New York City area, you got, you know, your hockey teams, you got your, your NBA, NFL. When the Knicks are rocking, there's no better team across all the four major sports. There's, there's no, there's no, it's, it's just, there's something, there's a different energy. As you say, keep the, keep the same energy. No, no, keep the best energy <laughs> with this team. There's nothing better than a New York Knicks playoff game. We haven't seen one in a while, but when the city, it, it, I'm just excited. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, you know it's, a, I'm, I'm it's electric. I'm excited. There's nothing better and I can't wait. And I, yes, I want the Brooklyn Knicks too, just because I want to see if we could just shut them up. Hey, B, as a Celtic fan. Yes. Were you, were you sad when Kyrie left? Yes, I was, because I wanted Kyrie to stay, because I was hoping that, you know, what he said when he addressed the season ticket event that night, where he said, hey, I'm planning to resign if you guys will have me. But it just, you know, it just was like, okay, great. You want to be here? You're so, you know, you're good. I mean, I'll live with some of your, you know, drama, whatever, because you're so damn good. And then when he left the way he left, it was like, well, you know what? I mean, look, I'm not quite sure Kyrie isn't. Um, I get a little bit of a Ron Artest vibe from Kyrie sometimes. And that I think he's a little bit close to every so often just going off the rails and he needs to be kind of brought back on. But talent wise, I would have loved if he would have stayed. Didn't work out that way. In some ways, I think that was almost like a basketball karma revenge on Danny Ainge for the way he treated Isaiah Thomas as part of that whole process. Cause Isaiah Thomas left it all on the court for Boston. Yeah. He gave them everything he had and the way he was sort of treated like just a commodity in that whole Kyrie thing. It was almost like the basketball gods were paying Danny Ainge back for doing wrong by Isaiah Thomas. I think, I, I think he's, he's a really talented player, but I, I think he's a harm. I don't think he's good for the culture. I don't think he helps the locker room. No, and uh, no. I'm hoping it all collapses on him. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, you guys have been extremely generous with your time, but we're not quite done yet. There's one little bit of business that I want to get to before we let you guys uh, go. The reason that I would was so pleased that both of you would be on this podcast today is because you are passionate Nick fans, but you sort of represent that cerebral New York fan in that you love your team, but you can be honest about your team. And Barry and MJ, you both alluded to a little before. So I want to get a prediction from each of you. 
you know, your, your, your objectiveness is a given. Okay. Even though I know who you want to win, but your objectiveness is a given. And I'm going to ask you to go first, MJ. How far do you think the Knicks are going to go in the postseason? MJ, you first. I think it now, I, I think it all depends. So I'm going to say, I think that they lose in the conference semis, but it all depends on who we play in the first round. Now, if we play Atlanta, if we play Boston, I think that we win those series and we go to the second round conference semis. If we play Miami, I think that we lose against Miami just because here's the reason why. So what Miami does is they can neutralize our best player in Julius Randle because they'll just put Bam Adebayo on Julius Randle. He's bigger and he can also stay with him in space and he's also strong. So they can neutralize Julius Randle. We don't have a person that's a center who can offensively uh, take, you know, that Bam Adebayo now has to guard. So, uh, and then we saw what Jimmy Butler's done in the past. You know, he just takes his game to another another knock. So I don't want to see Miami. I think the other teams, I'd rather see uh, we can advance past those teams. Uh, we can beat Boston. We can beat Atlanta. And then, you know, it all depends on who we face in the first in, in the uh, uh, in the number one versus four or five potential matchup. So, uh, you know, if it's if, if, if it's against Philly, I think we get Philly a, a good a good uh, a good go. I mean, I, I think we still lose that series, but uh, I can see us losing in six against Philly. Um, and then look, bring, bring on, bring on, um, any other team. I, I, I you want to, Brooklyn. I don't you care. Just want Brooklyn. You so want Brooklyn. You know what? I just want to, even if we lose, I just want to let, let them know that we're here. You know, I don't care who you guys think you are. You got big names. It doesn't matter, but we'll, and, and I, I want Taj Gibson to point someone in the mouth. I mean, not really, <laughs> but like, you know, like I want a hard foul. If something comes down, you come down the lane. Look, I want to give me a hard foul. Let's go back to nineties Knicks. You know, let's do it. That's All right. Okay. So you're saying they'll probably win their first round series. And if they get unlucky, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll lose in the second round, but which is a very successful season. I think, I think for yeah. them. All right, Barry, what, what, what's your take? What's the upside for these guys or your legitimate, your legitimate handicapping of what you think's happening. I think the entire East is a toss up. You know, I, I would like to see us win around. I think we're certainly capable of winning around. Uh, second round is certainly going to be difficult regardless of who we see. I, I want to see what the Nets do when defense is required, which the playoffs requires. Uh, they have not played defense ever this season. Okay, I mean, I can't believe we're seeing games, you know, totals at 240, 245, 250. I mean, it's great. 140 to 137. Are you kidding me? Uh, I'm with MJ. Let's go. I want to see an 89, 85. Let's go back to those old Nick Heat games and let's see what let's play defense and see where we could go. Um, But I I think the East is, is kind of, you know, you got three teams up top. They're all really good. Uh, we could compete with them. If we play great defense, anything's possible. Uh, I think the NBA gets decided in the East. The only thing is, I think whoever comes out of the East is going to be pretty banged up 
you know, after the rounds they're going to have to go through with Milwaukee and the Nets and the Sixers. Uh, the Sixers are really good if Joel is healthy and can he stay healthy through the run. I don't think they could win without him. Uh, he's awesome. He, he's the MVP when healthy. Um, but I, I'm interested to see what the Nets do, like MJ said, when they get smacked in the face and they will get smacked in the face in the playoffs. And they really have not seen that yet this year or asked to make a big stop, you know, close game fourth quarter. They haven't done it all year. So I'll be interested to see how they do. So I, I got us advancing, hopefully to the second round. Let's play hard, see where it goes. But I also do not believe that we, we cannot shock the world and make a serious run. I think we can. If we play defense, stay healthy and, and keep the, the hard culture going. Well, as they say, defense travels, right? When you're a great defensive team, you can have an off shooting night and you're still in the game. And yeah, it might be one of those low scoring things. Although I haven't seen too many NBA games in the eighties this year and not even all too many in the nineties, you know, which is a whole other podcast we could do about. We, we, we've had a and all few. we had a few early on, you know, in yeah, the beginning. Yeah. we played some games in the nineties. Yeah, but I mean, when you look at the box scores most nights, I mean, I look at the box scores every day, as I'm sure you guys do as well. Almost every game, both teams score 100. I mean, it's it's just, you know, but you know what? That's that's what they think. Well, listen, fellas, it's really been fun to kind of have this conversation with you. I hope the folks who listen to this podcast will enjoy it. And hopefully, you know, you'll tell all your friends and family, too. And I wish the Knicks success in the postseason unless they play the Celtics, but we may not even make it the way we're going right now. So uh, I hope, you know, for the, for the sake of passionate, great New York fans like yourselves, Stephen A and all of our friends from the area, uh, good luck to the Knicks in this postseason and you know, see what happens. Thank you fellas for being here. Thanks Pete. Thank you for having me. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Thank you so much to my guests, Michael Jackson, MJ, and Barry Sachs, two of the greatest and most knowledgeable New York Knicks fans anywhere. While there's a long way to go before a champion is crowned this season, I know those two will be totally into every game as if they were watching the NBA Finals. Thank you so much for listening to Pure Thoughts from Pure Hoops Media. Until next time, I'm Bruce Bernstein. Pure Thoughts is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.